Hi, welcome to Master Your Mind with me, Marissa Peer, teaching you the secrets to harness the powerful potential of your mind so you can have a fulfilled and happy and extraordinary life. Send your questions or your problems that you'd love me to solve to podcast at marissapeer.com. Today I'm talking to Simone Delarue. You may know her from working with the Kardashians and Killer Body. Simone is, was a dancer. She was in the West End. She was on Broadway. And she's now turned her passion into how you can use exercise to have a killer body or a revenge body, if you like. So welcome, Simone. I'm dying to hear all about you. And everybody wants to hear, first of all, about what it was like working with the Kardashians. So why don't we start there with the juicy stuff? Sure, Marissa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to speak with you today. Um, yeah, I mean, Kardashians is one of the most well-known family names in everybody's living room over the past 10 years. Um, and, you know, when I signed up to do this show, we all thought it was a weight loss show. We actually had no idea of the title, that it was called Revenge Body. Um, and, you know, to me that had negative connotations because why, you know, as a person, why are you getting revenge on anybody? Like if mm. you want to transform your life and transform your body, you should be doing it for yourself. Exactly. Um, so we kind of we called it the renew show. We, you know, the trainers within that show, we put our own spin on that. But I have to say, my experience was exceptional. Um, you know, Chloe was an absolute delight, and the show really actually helped. You know, because of course it was a TV show, it was on E, you know, things are very dramatic and hyped up. But the core essence of it and the beauty of it was that it actually really transformed a lot of lives um, and it opened up, um, you know, different forms of fitness and, you know, wellness to, to so many people. So it was for me, I absolutely loved the show. It was a really wonderful experience. Let's talk about having a body that you want to have so many of us don't like our bodies they hate we hate our legs or our butt or our abs or our thighs and many of us believe well I was born with this shape and I don't know how to change it or when I go on a diet I lose weight from the wrong places or I, I hate going to the gym so start from the beginning how can we have a body that we love. I mean, personally, I believe that the way to have a body you love is to actually love the body you have. I think the whole diet industry is based on self-hatred and abuse. You know, we call it punishing workout, killer abs. We go on these really restrictive diets and what we're doing is, is hating our body. You've heard that expression, punish those pounds. And I personally think it's so wrong. I believe the only way you can have a body you love is to love the one you're starting off with. Love it so much that you eat better and that you move it a bit because that's what it likes. But let's say we're turning up to listen to you and some of us are unhappy with our shape. What can we do about it and how can we make doing it fun? So what is your advice to someone starting out who doesn't really like going to the gym, can't afford a gym membership or just just doesn't like it. Where can we start from to have to have a kind of body that we're happier with? 
Well, whenever a client comes in um, and has a session with me, whether they come into a group class or a private session, we always practice what I call mirror minutes. So we ask the person to actually look at themselves in the mirror directly in the eye, which is very confronting. People really struggle with this, at looking at their own reflection. So usually people can't even look at themselves, but when they eventually do make that contact, I ask them to say one positive thing that they love about their bodies. Now, most of my work is with, with women and, you know, I find that this is such a huge challenge to ask a woman to say one, just one positive thing about their bodies. You know, and I am known in the industry as the celebrity trainer that I've trained all of these actresses for movies and how do you get so-and-so's arms and so-and-so's body and abs. And, you know, this has been shoved down our throats of like this is how we should look. Um, and it's it's warped our expectations of what a real female body looks like. So over the past 10 years, my work has really evolved to become more about how does exercise make you feel? And so, you know, when you're looking in that mirror and you're looking at yourself for the first time, like, you know, we can't all look like Kate Moss. You know, it's like we cannot change our genetics, right? We have to learn to love body and this as you mentioned before love the skin that we're in and that doesn't come from the exercise that comes from the inner work the internal work Mm -hmm. of actually believing that you're worthy of the change or believing that you're worthy of putting in the work it's about shifting your mindset and silencing that negative chatter that's constantly says Mm -hmm. your mom's too big or your hips are too big or and um you know, set yourself up with habits that will set you up for a lifestyle choice. So, of course, that's easier said than done when you come in to work out for the first time. You know, people come to me and they want the quick fix, you know, and so I say we've got to go back to the very beginning and dig deep and have a look. Is there a trauma? Is there a reason why you're emotionally eating? You know, what? why did you um, get in the way of yourself being the best version of yourself? What is that emotional block? So, you know, to have a transformation, it's not just about how you look in a bikini, it's about how you feel. And to do that, you have to align your mental mindset. You have to align your emotion and your spirit of any trauma that you're physically carrying. And that will then align with your physical body and the the positive talk that you have to yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. So how can you make people love exercising? And tell me also what you think about, you know, a little while ago, they had this three minute workout, because I find some people say, you know, we look at a celebrity, but what we forget is they've been given $10 million to get into shape. If someone gave me $10 million, I'd be in the gym for six hours a day. I'd work out. It's like when I've forgotten the girl who was in Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda, Linda, somebody, but she was paid a huge amount of money. And all she had to do was work out if you don't get into shape, but that was her job. Mm -hmm. So when it's your job, it's completely different. And if I was given a huge amount of money, I'd have killer abs, toned arms, buns of steel. I'd have like really powerful thighs because that would be my job. And I'd have a chef coming around making me all these keto meals and making me green juices. But when we don't have that, we've got a business and a family and, and all kinds of stuff going on. And we compare ourselves to these celebrities. You know, I remember Adele saying that she had three trainers. And she said she worked out for four hours a day. 
But when you're Adele, you have a personal chef, you have a nutritionist, you have three different trainers and they come to your house and it's a job. You're about to go on stage and get millions of dollars. So it's a job. But if I'm not Adele and I've got three kids, a partner, a house, a commute, all this stuff, and I can't afford a personal trainer, maybe I can't even afford gym membership. How do I get my body into shape? What do I do and how do I do it? Yeah, exactly right. I always say that people have no idea that celebrities are paid to look like that. Of course they are. And they have three gyms in there. They have a gym in their house. They have everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to many clients' houses and they've got two gyms and and a massage. They've got everything going on. But the regular everyday person doesn't have that. What can they do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I always say to a client, we are going to set realistic, attainable, achievable goals. If you're like going to turn around and say, I want to lose 30 pounds in 12 weeks, you're going to probably injure yourself. You're going to set yourself up for failure. You're going to binge eat. You're going to be exhausted and you'll fall off the wagon and you won't have attained or reached that goal. So I always say, let's start small and literally 10 minutes a day, if you can do 10 minutes, that is better than not doing 10 minutes a day. My advice, get your butt off the couch, do something. And I think if we change and shift our mindset to, I'm going to work out for 10 minutes, I'm going to do 10 minutes of cardio because it's going to energize me. It's going to put me in a good, you know, it'll boost my mood, it'll pump me for good endorphins, I'm going to be a better mom, I'm going to be a better boss, I'm going to be more present at work. Thinking about the mental, um, you know, effects that exercise will have rather than the physical and um, cosmetic, you know, then people are more likely to want to do that. I know it's difficult um, and it's easy to say that, you know, I get paid to work out myself because I get paid to train people. I always say start small and if you do that 10 minutes and you feel those good endorphins, you're more likely to extend to 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 Uh minutes before you know it, you've done a workout. So what would those 10 minutes of cardio look like? If you're telling someone, let's imagine here that no one knows anything. You know, many years ago I was doing a talk for Weight Watchers um, and it was for these brides that were getting married and they and I asked one of them and she asked me, she wanted to tone up her arms and I said, we need to do the fly. She says, I don't know what the fly is. Yeah. Um, so we have to assume that people don't even know what 10 minutes of cardio means. I'm sure most of them do, but what does 10 minutes of cardio look like? Yes. Yeah, so so the, this is the other thing that I say to people, you need to choose something that you enjoy doing. Yeah. Something, you know, because if I say to you, oh, well, you're going to run, but you hate running, you're not going to do mm. it. If that means yeah. if that means a 10 minute hike, or that means a 10 minute mm-hmm. sprint, that means a 10 minute cycle, that means 10 minutes doing jumping jacks, that means mm. 10 minutes doing dance cardio, some yeah. kind of high intensity exercise that gets your heart rate up and yeah. puts you calorie burning state you know and I I don't you know I I was a dancer my my method is based in dance but I just say do whatever resonates with you and if Mm. you love to walk or hike do that whatever it will take to get you up off the couch and do that but you've got to make sure that you're getting your heart rate up um, that you are in a calorie burning state I used to love skipping actually that was always my thing I take Mm -hmm. a skipping I'd even skip in a hotel room but I had to have great music that would keep me going, skipping. And I had a rebound, which was really cool, a little mini trampoline. And I could skip on that. And as you say, it would just be 10 minutes. I play some music I loved. 
And then I graduated a weighted skipping rope, and that really helped too because it was working my arms. But I loved the skipping. I loved the rebounding. I wouldn't like running in the rain per se, although I don't mind running, but my knees don't like me running anymore. I think I ran so badly. When I used to live in LA, I used to run up and down a canyon, and that actually wasn't good for me, running on concrete. But you're right. When you find out something you love, is it skipping? Is it running? Is it power walking? Is it running around the park? Someone told me, and I'm not even sure it's true, but I thought it was a very good thing to believe. You only need to do three exercise lunges, crunches, and the plank. That didn't, I didn't really see how that would work out your arms, but I loved that lunges, crunches. When I'm in my kitchen, was has a kitchen island. I tend to do lunges all the time while my husband is cooking because I just, lean on this kitchen island and it doesn't feel like I'm working out. So I've got to go and put my workout clothes on. I find for some of this, I've got to get changed, drive to the gym. That's an hour, do a workout, then wash my hair, get changed again and drive home. That's another hour. And for me, I used to go to the gym in my workout clothes and I love that we now have leisure. I never used to take them off. I mean, obviously it's a bit sweaty, but I was more into yoga, which isn't sweaty. So you, if your workout is taking three hours, you've got to try and find out a way of making it take less. And I'd love to tell you this figure because it's amazing. 25% of people who buy gym membership never show up. Isn't that amazing? 25% pay for a membership. My husband is one of them, by the way. So I really get that. He paid for the most expensive gym in Chelsea where all these Chelsea footballers go. And I loved it. It was a real state-of-the-art place. It had an amazing yoga teacher. I was there every day. I think he went twice and it was really expensive. People want a quick fix. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people don't want to necessarily do the work. And so they yeah. think, well, if I sign up, if I get a therapist, but I only go once, or if I, you know, sign up to a gym, but I only go once, at least I did it. I'm telling everyone I did it, you know? So, because there's nobody um, necessarily always keeping that person accountable. So it's like, it really has to come down to, um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I say this all the time with my clients. I can give anyone a meal plan. I can give anyone recipes. I can give anyone a workout program. But unless they are willing to do the work, they are not going to change. So how can we make them love the work? So now we've got 10 minutes of cardio. It could be walking, running, skipping, swimming. Could be running up and down the stairs in your house. It could be running up and down the corridors in your apartment building. There's lots of things you could do. When it's 10 minutes, everyone's got 10 minutes. How can you make yourself love it more? I think, you know, the silver lining that's come out of this pandemic is that, as you said, it would take an hour to get to your workout. You'd work out for an hour, an hour to get back. That's three hours of your day. Now we can literally roll out, no makeup on, your pajamas on, put, you know, a streaming digital platform on, work out, and then go and eat your breakfast and go to your Zoom meeting. Um, Yeah. Definitely, you know, it's made it easier for us to exercise. Mm. It's not the same as having that in-person experience and feeding off the energy of your trainer or the teacher. Mm -hmm. However, there's no excuse. You can literally work out in your pajamas. Yeah, you can do yoga, Pilates, whatever. As long as you have a good instructor, you can do anything. I mean, every television network now has some kind of exercise. I used to work out to Jillian who does the shred. I loved her. I used to work out a lot to that, but um, 
I find when you work out at home, it's so easy to cheat. Oh, I don't like that bit. I'm just going to skip that. It's not quite the same as having someone in the class going, oh, come on, you're you're slacking. You know, my neighbors who I love, they have a trainer come every single day because they said that they just otherwise only do the bits they like. And I find I'm guilty of that. I only do the bits I love. I don't really want to do the bits I hate. The bits I hate are the ones I should do more. Exactly. It's exactly right. But going back to your question about how do we love it more, you know, um, I have a two and a half year old son. And so now I think about, well, how can I make exercise um, you know, how can I include him and how, you know, how can it be a family experience? So, you know, rather than thinking or oh, dreaded cardio, maybe you go on a family hike on a Saturday mm. or you know, just finding different ways that you can include family members and include friends that way mm-hmm. it keeps you accountable. And it also is then showing your, especially your, you know, your children that you are putting your health and priority, um, you know, your health and wellness as a priority. Yeah, I I wrote a book a long time ago called You Can Be Younger About How to Slow Down Aging. And one of the things it said was that there's nothing on the planet that that is as as effective as exercise for slowing down aging. And there probably never will be. The studies on how exercising slows down aging are extraordinary. And so sometimes I think we have to do it for different reasons. Why am I doing it? Because I could look 10 years younger. I could be more active. I could live longer on the planet. I could have more fun with my kids. So when your clients come to see you to work out, tell us some of the motivations that get them to come and find you. Yeah. I mean, the first obvious ones are the ones that are working towards a film role where Mm -hmm. they need like an action figure. Um, And so obviously that there's a lot of motivation behind that because they're getting paid to look like that. Um, but I also work with um, a lot of women who their motivation is they've just come back from having a baby. I do a lot of postnatal, um, you know, and trying to just reconnect to their core and just one, making time for themselves again, um, two, finding the energy and the strength. Often you'll get brides preparing for their wedding day. I get, you know, people from all different walks of life, um, but I find that what's easier for people to stay on track as if they have a goal that they're working towards, whether that's Mm. a bachelorette, a wedding, um, pre- or postnatal, you know, um, an anniversary or anything like that. When people have a goal, that is what is going to motivate them and something to work Or avoiding being old and sick is a really good one too, isn't it? I know it is. And it's that's one thing that I'm 47, I'll be 48 this year, and I'm so in denial that I'm, you know, getting older that I'm, you know, I will be 50 soon. And it's actually now my goal because I want to be 50 and I want to be on the cover of a fitness magazine and say, this is what 50 can look like. This is what 50 Mm. will look like if you, you know, work out and take care of yourself. So it's such a bizarre mind shift for me now to think about exercise to prevent, you know, aging when I was always, you know, I danced from the age of three and I always just thought, well, I'd be young forever. <laughs> mm. But I, I spent a lot of time in blue zones where people live until a hundred plus. And actually when you go to blue zones, they all exercise. When you go somewhere like Japan and see people doing Tai Chi in the street, mm-hmm. they all exercise, but they don't really go to the gym. Mm-hmm. They may do a Tai Chi class in the village square every morning or out or in the park, mm-hmm. but they don't go to the gym. They walk everywhere. They, 
they just don't have gyms they go to. So if you go to Sardinia, for instance, they just it's just their life in a hilly region. They walk up and down the hills all the time. But I, I think a lot of us have overlooked how powerfully aging can slow down, can be slowed down by exercise. So, you know, tell us about that, about, you know, how we can slow down our aging by pure exercise. Obviously, you need to eat well and drink, drink water too. Yeah, especially for women now, you know, when we hit premenopausal and menopause, we lose um, our muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the great ways to, to not lose it is to keep working at it. So, you know, anything over the age of 40 now, I say to women that they should be focusing more on strength training as a part, as opposed to cardio. You know, like we grew up in the world where, oh, I need to lose weight. Let's just run on a treadmill for half an hour and let's do loads of cardio. No, like, you know, to prevent aging, to prevent osteoporosis, to help prevent um, early onset menopause or diabetes, uh, but to keep muscle mass, you know, as your body is aging, as our skin is aging, you need to do strength training. So that means lifting mm. weight, you know, actually, whether it's going to the gym or if you're going to lift boxes or whatever you can, but you need to be doing some strength training. Um, then obviously cardiovascular health. Um, and I think, you know, when you're going back to talking about in to- Tokyo and Japan, they don't see it as a chore. Like that's a way of life. That's yeah. what they you know, every day is a part of their way of life rather than, oh, I have to do this. Yeah. And when that's a bit like being a farmer. A farmer probably doesn't go to the gym because they're lifting yeah. bales of hay all the time. And the same thing if you're a builder or a construction worker, it would be part of your way of life, as you say, being a dancer. But can your body be the weight? When you're doing press-ups, that still is weight training, isn't it? But your body is the weight resistance, isn't it? When you're doing press-ups and push-ups and the plank. Is that yes. correct? Yes. So you can use your own body weight. It's a little bit more challenging and difficult to um, gain muscle mass when mm-hmm. you just use your own body weight, but it's a great way to maintain. So I definitely recommend trying to have at least one to two sessions a week of weight training. And you should be using small hand weights. Is that right? Is it small hand weights and lots of reps or heavy weights? Well, what is it? We used to come, well, when we were younger on the Jane Fonda, you know, era and also yeah. when I started off training, um, it was the I idea. I used to teach we- for her. You did? Yeah, I used to, te- I I used to teach this. at Jane Fonda's in South <laughs> Robertson. I was one of her trainers. I remember in South Robertson Boulevard and it was, we used to, it's amazing. We used to run barefoot on concrete. It's so bizarre now when I look back at that. But um, but I love her. She, she and look at the way she looks because she's always exercised. It's part of her life. But she exercised. I think she began that to change her mood. And it's funny how often we come at exercise, not because I want to change my body. I think she wanted to change her mood and mm. it really worked. I did not know that. That's a thank yeah. you. That's how, I, that's how I got into my whole journey with um, the mind, because most people going to her studio would would run for an hour and live on diet coke because they wanted to look better. Mm-hmm. And in order to look better, they kind of missed the point, that, the whole 80s. And I missed the point that you should be doing this to feel better. You see, no vegan says, I'm going to be a vegan because I want to look good in my jeans. A vegan says, I, I just can't eat animals. I've got cats and dogs and chickens. I couldn't eat them. And I think this is the whole problem with the industry. When you go on a diet to lose weight, to look good, when you go to the gym to work out, to look good, 
it's not the same motivation as when you say, look, you know, I, I don't want to get osteoporosis. I'm, I want to be active. I'm, I want to have children and run around with them and grandchildren. I think if your motivation is I want to live longer and be healthier, it's much easier. But most people who go on to diet and exercise do it to look good. Mm-hmm. So other people judge them better. And it has such a massive, massive failure rate because apart from someone who's doing it to be in a movie, we're, we're not doing it for the right reasons. Do you find that? Well, you probably don't find that with your clients, but it's I mean, a big yes thing, isn't no. it? Yes and no. Yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, and you're exactly right. Unless you're doing it for the right reasons, you're not going to do it or you're not going to see the change or you'll give up. We think about, you know, the pandemic that we've just come out of, addiction rates are up. You know, there's more alcoholism, there's, you know, um, more drug addiction, there's more depression, there's more anxiety. Um, And, you know, my thing is like, yeah, you need to talk about it. We need to get those feelings out. That helps you with your mind. But the physical feelings in your body, you have to move your body as well. Like use exercise as a tool as your therapy. Like I've always said I have a T-shirt that says dance is my therapy. Yeah. training people to do that like just 10 Mm. minutes exercise is going to get you out of that funk it's going to make you feel better Mm. it might it might not change your life but for that you know that short period of time is going to put you in a better mindset so I have clients who have a swimming pool in their garden and Mm. a whole gym they may have a pilates reformer or that whole I forgot what it's called when you have the whole weight up kit in one little place a little thing isn't it it's got the bench and the pull downs and they never use it. Yeah. When I ask them why they go, well, I'm, I'm waiting to be motivated, as if motivation goes, hello, I'm here now. I've come to make you work out. You, if you wait for motivation, it doesn't appear. Motivation appears when you begin. I often do not want to get on my reformer, but I think I just do the I just do some legs. I can do that for 10, put on some music. And when I begin it, I often am up there for an hour because my motivation begins. I might think I'm just going to paddleboard down two canals because I live on a canal. I love paddleboarding. And then I often do all six. But I think we forget that we're going to, we're waiting for, I've got a gym, I've got the little bands, I've got the hand weights, I'm sitting on the sofa. And, but you can actually work out on the sofa. You can do some stomach crunches and arm lifts on the sofa. But if you wait to be motivated, it doesn't happen. You have to be motivated. You have to start and then motivation comes. Yeah, I never knew or understood why people had, you know, a trainer until, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I became a trainer. And then I realized, ah, you know, you are the, you are the one that helps guide the person, motivate yeah, them. Yeah, you're the Most motivator. Time, they don't want to, you know, let you down. So they're going to mm. show up. And that's the biggest yeah. thing is like getting yeah. to the just get to the session the rest will be fun and easy yeah um, maybe not easy but the rest you know that's half the work done is just getting there so yeah if you can't get motivated then you definitely need to help find someone that can help motivate you whether that's in person or whether that's you know in an app or some kind of um, online streaming service now where you've got people telling you what to do or having an accountability buddy because <clears throat> our chances of succeeding go up 80% when we have to be accountable. So when you turn up at someone's house to work them out and they've paid for you in advance, they don't want to let you down. It's like, oh, and they don't feel that they should just 
they've got to do it properly because you're there. So they're trying to please you and impress you. I know when I was getting married, I had someone who came and worked me out. I didn't really want to do it, but he came every, twice a week and I wanted these really good arms. And I, I had a very unforgiving, like satin column, column wedding dress. But he was my accountability body. I, I couldn't really let him down. Plus, I paid for it. So if you have an accountability body, and for those of you listening, that may mean that you have to find someone to work out with. Could be a neighbor, could be a friend, could be someone online. But when you hold each other accountable, you think, I can't really cancel going for a walk because my friends depend on I can't really cancel that six o'clock run because my friends are depending on my body is running with me. And I, I think that's sort of what works in Weight Watchers, doesn't it? But the fact that you're turning up and getting weighed, I don't agree with that, but I can really see how it works because they are holding you accountable every week. And so finding someone, if you can't afford a personal trainer, or but often you can divide their fee and, and have three or four people. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, having an accountability body that you work out with, or at least account with, I'm going to call you every Friday and commit to working out twice that week. It really helps you to stick it out because when we're accountable, our chance of success goes up by a whopping 80%, which is really interesting. I'd love to talk to you about the other thing that you do so well, which is how do you help people eat better? What do you do? <laughs> you know, uh, the, that's an interesting one because we're all intelligent people and we all know that, um, okay, maybe I should just have one glass of wine, not the whole bottle, or I have one piece of cake or one slice of pizza but not the whole the whole cake. Mm-hmm. We all know this, but it's, it's when you get to that, you know, um, moment where you're going to choose to do that or not, what takes over and says, no, mm-hmm. let's, let's just have the one piece. So, you know, I know I say this about everything. I can give people a meal plan and a recipe. Um, I can, you know, check in with them, but once again, only they can do the work. Mm-hmm. But the way that, you know, I grew up in classical ballet um, from a very young age, I was always surrounded by like eating disorders. And um, I remember um, my mum was like, we're not doing this. We're not going down that path. Like, I'm not going to let you, um, you know, starve yourself. And all, all the, the horrible, toxic, you know, environment that happens mm-hmm. when you need to I be do. a certain, certain weight. And so um, I really am very grateful and thankful to her for instilling that in me in a, in a young mm-hmm. age. But I always say to clients, it's like, we should be looking at food and how, you know, what is your relationship with food? If you're torturing yourself, if you think that this is a reward or it's a punishment, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we should be looking at food to fuel our body so that we can be present and speak to one another like this. Mm -hmm. So we can have the energy to go and do a workout so we can be present with our family mm-hmm. you know really thinking about when you're eating this is this does this make me feel energized or does this make me feel lethargic or if I eat this you know how will it make me feel the next day because how my how will my body process mm-hmm. that as opposed to if I eat this oh it's going to make my bum look big or I'll get a double chin you know mm-hmm. like the thoughts that we have so it's really changing your outlook and your relationship with food um, and that is one of the hardest things to shift, especially in in women, because we were all, you know, we all knew or we went through in our 20s, oh, if I just don't eat for three days, I'll, I'll be able to drop all the weight or I'll look fabulous if I just, 
don't eat for a couple of days or, you know, the dancers diet back in that day. I never smoked cigarettes, but people would like smoke cigarettes and drink Coca-Cola. And that was, you know, that was the diet for the day. Yeah, when I, when I worked for Jane Fonda, it was the same thing, that the classic trainer's diet was diet Coke, diet hot chocolate, diet cappuccino, and oatmeal with yeah. sweetener in it. And you think there's such a terrible, terrible diet, diet Coke, diet oatmeal, and diet cappuccinos. And they would people could live on those. I mean, and it's it's all chemicals. There's nothing real in there, but it... It's so bizarre what we do to ourselves in, in an effort to be lighter, to be leaner. We eat a bunch of chemicals because we just don't get it that, you know, we could actually eat well. I'd love to find out some of the things that you eat, if you don't mind, what you because you look so good. Your skin's amazing. Hair's amazing. So obviously you practice what you preach. So can I ask you what kind of things you eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner and snacks? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I am a big advocate in eating real food, real mm. food, whole foods, you know, organic where mm. possible. I'm not going to push the the protein bars or the smoothies or, you know, I think any, if you pick up anything and you can't read what it is, you don't know what mm. it is on the table, don't buy it. Yeah. Um, I do believe in like the caveman diet of, you know, meat and two vegetables or, you know, always having some kind of protein and then, you know, mm-hmm. um, healthy vegetables for breakfast I would eat um, either you know uh, avocado and toast with eggs on top um, Mm -hmm. or I would have um, some kind of muesli with blueberries and banana Mm -hmm. I know we all went through the stage where it was rice milk and then it was almond milk and now it's oat milk I actually drink you know um, dairy like shakara Um, I don't substitute things. I just eat real food. Mm, um, yeah. I love chocolate. I That's mm. my downfall, but I will allow myself to to eat chocolate. Last night we had a roast mm-hmm. dinner Sunday. So we had a Sunday roast, roast chicken and roast vegetables, um, which is absolutely delicious. And then for lunch I'll have um, some kind of like sandwich or a protein again and salad. I'll mm. snack. Um, on seeds and nuts and yogurt and cheese and fruit. Um, and I'm not strict. I just sometimes I listen to my body and if it's the, at that time of the month or I'm feeling like I want to have some ice cream, I'll have some ice cream. Or if I'm out at dinner and it's somewhere nice and I want to have a glass of red with my steak at steak fritz, I'll let myself do that. And I think, you know, when you are not obsessed about food, your body is mm-hmm. Your body yeah. doesn't hold on to it because you allow no. it to flow through you with no guilt and you enjoy it, but everything in moderation. Yeah. yeah, and that's you just said something really interesting because that's the problem that we start to believe I need to diet. i got to go on this diet to lose weight. It's not working. I need a different diet. I need a stricter diet. And now we've become what I call addicted to dieting because we have a belief I can only lose weight if I diet. But you said something which I found really interesting, which is sometimes my body wants it. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to talk about the lies people tell themselves in the diet, weight loss, working out um, field. So you'll say to me, you know, I was doing, but I craved sugar. My body wanted sugar. I must have needed it because my body wanted it. I said, but if that worked, surely your body would also go, hey, I need some broccoli now. I'm absolutely gagging for some carrots here because no one says, yeah, my body was just craving lettuce. I just, 
I must have needed it because my body wanted it. But they say I, I needed a glass of wine. I, I could feel the craving. I, I, I needed some sugar. I was so tired. I needed chocolate to wake up. And if I was craving it, that's my body telling me I needed it, which would be okay, except they never say, but a week ago, my body was absolutely craving um, sauteed onions and just craving some um, spinach. So if that was really true and our body was telling us what we need, it would be telling us you need more salad, you need more cruciferous vegetables, you, you need more green stuff here. But it only seems to tell us that we need sugar, which I've always thought was very funny. Mm. I have hundreds of us say, I, I, I craved sugar, my body needed it. But they never come back and say, gosh, my body told me you really need some green vegetables this week. Although vegetarians will tell me that, you know, because I eat vegetables so much, I crave them. If you drink water a lot, you tend to crave water. Mm. But what do you think that is when people say, my body is craving sugar, so I had to have some. Because it's not, your body really never craves sugar. That's your mind, isn't it? Well, I think if someone says they're craving sugar, that to me is an addiction, you know. <laughs> they're, they're, addicted, they're addicted to the sugar. That's why their body is craving yeah. it. But it's really um, the mind, isn't it? It's not yeah. really the body at all. The body yeah. never says, hey, knock me out with some Cadbury's dairy milk. It's the mind. That's, it's the same thing with alcohol. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as, you know, for me personally, you know, and I, I exercise a lot, there'll be times when I, my body needs more protein, you know, to yeah. refill and rebuild the muscle or yeah. I'm about to do, you know, a film for my app, you know, tomorrow and I've got eight hours of filming. So I'm, my body needs the carbohydrates the night before yeah. to give me energy. So I think when people are really in tune with their bodies and they listen to what their body needs, mm-hmm. for, me that, for me, that is always healthy food, like what my body, you know, needs. As far as like, oh, I'm craving sugar. Yeah, I crave sugar sometimes. It's usually around, you know, around that time of the month, but I know it's sure. my addiction. It's my addiction to sugar because it's mm-hmm. an instant gratification that makes me feel good in that moment. But you can so, have better sugar. Yes. <laughs> But if people can actually stop and just try to really be in tune with their bodies, you know, it's like when you know you need more sleep, when you know you need more fluids, when you know you need to stop and meditate, you know, if we could learn to become a little bit more in tune with ourselves and and those, Mm. you know, um, they can all be a very, have a very positive impact and they can be positive needs, not the Oh, I needed a glass of wine, you know. Yeah, and it's that same thing. Sometimes I drive to San Diego a lot, and I'm usually very good at taking stuff. But the other day, we had to leave in a hurry, didn't take anything, and it's very easy to stop in a garage. You call it a petrol station. Think, well, I need a protein bar, but you can actually buy a banana and some nuts. Because mm-hmm. I try not to eat stuff in a packet. I do occasionally, but I think okay. A protein bar with a banana and nuts is the same. I can buy some almonds and an orange or a protein bar. So I try to buy the real, like the real stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd rather you- buy a packet of peanuts and a protein bar because at least I know they, they're just peanuts. They've got salt on them, but you can get unsalted ones. But it's that ability to think ahead. Does my body really need a protein bar? And if so, wouldn't it also need an orange and a packet of almonds instead? I always think about, you know, my son now, like what I feed him. Like I yeah. would never feed him protein bar, you know, or a, a sugary snack. It is. It's like what's this, you know, the snack? Is it yogurt? Is it um, an mm. apple? Banana? Is it hummus? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know, carrots? Yeah. 
What are those things that you would feed your child? Why are you not feeding them to your I'd love to ask you why you'd never feed them a protein bar because we're so primitive things, but they're super healthy. They're balanced, they're nutritious, they're lean. So tell me why you would never give him a protein bar. Well, we don't necessarily know what's 100% in them, even if like they're all organic and, you know, like Mm -hmm. the FDA here in America has has a lot lower standards than like yeah. Australia, for example. Um, and so there are, you know, like we don't necessarily know what chemicals are yeah. in there, like right, what is giving it that peanutty taste or that, you know. Mm. Um, but I and, and children at that age should not be having like unprocessed um like protein powders because their bodies can't mm. digest them either. So there's those reasons, but also too, I would always choose, you know, once again, real foods, whole foods. Yeah. Um as I would want to put in my body too. Because I walked into Whole Foods recently and I looked at the protein, the whole aisle, and I thought, you know, this is like kind of madness. This whole aisle mm-hmm. is protein bars, and most of them are nothing more than candy bars in disguise. Some of them are better than others, but a lot of them are just terrible. And you think, but, but how have people been, who's brainwashed just to believe that these are good? Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I know some of them, are, I, I, there's, I get, is it Boo Bars or Google Bars? And I do like those, but I don't buy them very often. But most of them, the ones called Kind and Nicer, yeah. they're just a candy bar by another name. <laughs> and it's just it's just so wrong that we're so brainwashed by food companies who will take any product and mess it up mm-hmm. if there's money in it. So, you know, you should be able to buy rice cake and it would be just a rice cake. But now we have caramel-flavored rice cakes. You used to be able to buy... Oat cakes. I mean, oat cakes was just a Scottish thing that were quite useful when you're a farmer. You'd have some oat cakes in one pocket and hard-boiled eggs in the other, and that's what people lived on because it was basically you made oats and you made it into a little patty and you carried it with you. And now they have oat cakes with chocolate chips in them, and it's like, wow. Even healthy food, there's going to be someone who's going to take that and mess it up and completely ruin it for you like yogurt you know yogurt has just become nothing more than pudding unless you get the real good stuff but it's I feel so sad for consumers who don't know this go, yeah but, but this is healthy I'm having yogurt I'm having oak I'm having rice cakes I'm having fruit I'm eating yogurt covered raisins like no you're eating sugar covered dried sugar there's, uh-huh. there's no such thing as a yogurt covered raisin they're just lumps of crystallized sugar covered in more sugar with a bit few chemicals on top. But it makes me so cross that consumers are up against that because it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. But it's very hard to make people not see. But, you know, we don't, some people don't buy ingredients. They, buy, they don't buy ingredients. They buy food. They buy ready meals and they mm-hmm. buy stuff in little, you know, I keep saying to my husband, don't bring home all that chopped up salad and it's lost all it's you need to buy it with a bit of dirt on it and chop it up so he loves buying pre-chopped up broccoli and I'm like but I don't know how that what it's preserved now it's lost all its goodness anyway mm-hmm. and who knows what that's sprayed with so yeah but I let's and the lie the lie we tell ourselves I'm eating salad in McDonald's so it must be healthy um, people say to me things like, well, I'm having pizza and, you know, the base is a carb and the cheese is a protein and the yeah. tomato is a vegetable. The tomato is actually a fruit, but that doesn't matter. 
but we we lie to ourselves. So I would really love you to share with us some of the lies people tell you. They don't know they're lying. They they think it's real. You know, dried fruit that's better than candy, isn't it? Surely tin fruit is better than dessert. But tell me some of the lies people tell you unwittingly, unwillingly, that get in their way of of working out and being healthy and eating better. What are the most common lies people tell themselves to stop them exercising better, eating better and living better? It was one of the things working on the TV show Revenge Body that we had clients that wanted to lose 30, 40, 50, 60 pounds. And so often those people um, didn't have the privilege of having the tools and the knowledge to Mm -hmm. know what was the correct thing to eat, when to eat, and what exercise to do. And I remember one client coming in and saying to me, oh, well, I had a salad yesterday. And I was like, to your point, where was the salad? They got the salad from McDonald's, but the on the salad were the croutons, which are extremely high in fat. And then yes. the Thousand Island dressing on top of that, which is, once again, pure fat. Yeah. And the quality of the lettuce, as we know, no offence to McDonald's or fast food chains, but that's, there's no um, vitamins and minerals. No goodness, nothing. So I was like, well, you may as well have just eat cardboard or, or fat there. You know, so it's just like literally retraining people's minds to know, yeah. um, you know, what is healthy. And, and, you know, we don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money to be healthy. You know, mm. we're in an age now where we're, everything is so easily accessible, you know, Postmates and Uber Eats and all of this food that yeah. can be delivered to us. And Instacart, we, where you can deliver yeah. your food in two hours. You can just go to actually the supermarket, you know, yeah. each day, every second day, just buy the fresh produce that you need for that meal mm. or, for, you know, make cook up enough meals mm. to make it last for the three week, three days. Um, but really know what it is that you're putting into that food because obviously takeaway food is extremely high in sodium, you know, with sodium, sodium. extremely high in sugar. So we don't necessarily know what it is that we're putting. Yeah, we don't know what's in it, yeah. But if you make the food, you do. You do, exactly. And as far as exercise, you know, someone will say, oh, well, I, you know, I just went for a walk or I just, you know, I grabbed these weights and I just did this. And, you know, I always say, look, Anything is better than nothing. So even if it's mm-hmm. just walking, but you have to you have to work out with intensity, you know. So mm. like thinking about working out with hundred percent intensity, not just mm. like chatting on your phone or watching the TV, or you know, you need to make sure that um, you've got that intensity behind it. So I think people fool themselves or tell themselves the lie that they're eating well or that they're exercising well when you know. They're not necessarily, but it may, sometimes it's not always people's fault. We just don't have enough knowledge out there. Like go to the grocery store and you pick up muesli and you think, oh, I'm getting muesli for breakfast. That mm. must be me. And you turn it over and it's like 22 grams of sugar in a yeah. muesli packet. It's like you actually have to go and really closely look at the things that you're picking up. Same again with yogurt, especially for kids. Like they package it in these cute little things that the kids I see. Know. Yeah. I want the, the strawberry with the smile on its face. And you look at that, you know, it's seven grams of sugar in that and say, no, you just buy the plain yogurt that. Yeah, absolutely. Plain. So, you know, it's 
society and media have a lot to answer for. Because yeah, of- I used to buy protein powder occasionally because I travel so much and I'd find it really helpful. I've got on the plane, I've got my little protein powder in the cup, it's dry, I've got, and then I'd add water to it and then that would keep me going until we got served some food or sometimes I wouldn't eat aeroplane food. But even I noticed that when when you look at a protein powder, I only buy the plain pea protein. But when you look at it and, it's, and it lists everything separately, you think, wow, this is all sugar. I mean, there's the sugar content of this is extraordinary because everything is as good. And I notice how naughty they are because they say sucrose, fructose. They list it all separately, lactose. They don't list it together. You go, oh, look, here's some. The first ingredient is sucrose. And then, and then the next ingredient is lactose. The next ingredient is maltose. And it's like you've just seen sugar three times. And I thought everything ending in O's is sugar, which your body doesn't need. But, um, you know, we're lied to so much by the food industry. You need it. This is good for you. This is nature's own farm fresh, barn fresh and sun drenched um, chocolate raisin bars and so since food companies lie to us so much, it's not surprising that we now lie to ourselves. These are sun-drenched um, almond bars full of goodness. No, they're just cookies. Mm-hmm. This is farm-fresh um, granola. It's got in raisins and coconut things and, and yogurt-covered raisins. And it again, it's just sugar. And so it's hard, I think, because we're lied to so much to know how to tell ourselves the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know for myself, because I, I am also always writing books about diet, that the, I kind of have a list of the lies I hear the most, but I never blame people for that, which is it's so boring to go on a diet. It's mm-hmm. not fun. Everyone else can eat what they like and I can't. What's the point? I'm just going to put it all back on again. Why bother? It doesn't last. I can't enjoy myself. Life's too short. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the ones I hear about changing the diet. I, I won't be any fun anymore. I won't be able to go out. Mm-hmm. It's such. It takes ages to lose it. You put it all back on again, and then. But then there are different lies, I guess, in the gym, which are it's so painful. It I can't afford it. What's the point? But but again, what are the lies you hear the most that people tell themselves to avoid eating differently and and exercising? I think. That- the biggest one is that people say, well, I'm too, I'm too scared to get started because I don't think I'll see results. Yeah. You know, people are like focused on the result rather than the process. Mm-hmm. They don't even allow them to do the process because all they want is the end goal. Um, yeah. And I guess it's the biggest thing is scared of failure. Everyone thinks yeah. that actually, can I do, can I do this? And that's why we need to, as a society, change the language on mm. this because eating well and exercising should not be a chore. It should not be mm. something that you dread that you can't do, that you won't be fun doing. You know, we, we need to change yeah. the way I'm sure that. <laughs> and I'm sure you hear this classic lie, I don't have time. I yeah. don't have time to work out, which makes sense, except when you work out, you have so much more energy that you actually get time back because when you do just a bit of exercise a day, you actually gain time. Mm-hmm. I say, have you got 10 minutes to go on social media? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got 10 minutes to work out. <laughs> yeah. 
-hmm. I want to ask you one more question before we have to end today. And I want to ask you about the resting metabolic rate. You know how when we go on a diet, our metabolic rate becomes slower and then that really works against us. Do you have any advice or information about that you could share with our audience? Yeah, because you know, people often ask me about intermittent fasting. Should they mm -hmm. do it? Does it work? Um, you know, gone are the days where you eat dust or that you starve mm. yourself lose weight, especially as you're getting older, it does slow down your metabolism. So if anything, we should be grazing and eating more to keep fueling the mm. metabolism, yeah. keep processing the food. Because if you don't eat or if you do such a strict, strict diet, like the, like juice cleansers, I'm a big no-no on juice cleansers and soup mm -hmm. cleansers and all this sort of stuff because it's like, yes, of course you're going to drop weight. You're just drinking liquid. But the minute you eat a solid, you're going to put that weight back on again. Yeah. So if you're doing a juice cleanser, cleanse and detoxify your system for inflammation, yes, yes, I get all of that. But if you're looking at it, you know, as a diet, then no. So, um, and then that comes back to, again, about making it a healthy lifestyle. Mm. You know, by putting the stress on your body, you know, um, by by doing such strict diets um, and not having a healthy, balanced diet, you're going to end up binge eating somewhere. Um, but definitely, without consuming enough calories, your body is going to go. It's going to go into shutdown mode, mm. and then the next time you feed it, it's like, oh, she's fed me. Quick, look, you know, let's just have a party because she's fed me because we mm. don't know when she's going to feed me again. So, you know, I'm not a big believer in, you know, crazy strict diets, um, but, you know, you, you need to think sensibly about what is the, what are the calories I'm putting in and what's the, the calories I'm, I'm burning, the excessive, you know, what's the exercise I'm doing, you know, and, and do they match up if you're, they're in calories mm. and, and what you're actually burning, then there's a, then there's a problem. But, you know, we need to get past the point of thinking that restrictive, restrictive diet, punishing ourselves, starving ourselves is going to help, especially yeah. as we get older. Women over 40, we need to be uh, making sure for our hormones and being, you know, because they play such a huge impact into our, um, you know, weight gain and weight loss, making sure that our hormone levels, you know, are balanced mm. as well. Um, and it doesn't get easier as you get older. It gets much more challenging. Yeah. And, you know, I did that. I was very much a victim of that when I was working for Jane, that we all would starve ourselves or have a protein bar for lunch. And then we say, oh, I've been so good. Yeah. And then I know Weight Watchers call treat sins, which is so mm. wrong. You can't come at this and I'm good. I'm bad. I'm going to mm. do, let's have something naughty. Let's have naughty cake. This is a sin mm -hmm. because it's not really about that. And the minute you start denying yourself and denying yourself, first of all, you increase your desire for something when you deny it. But then when you starve yourself and your metabolic rate drops, because of course, in, in medieval times, when you didn't have any food, your body slowed everything out to keep you alive. The less you ate, the more it slowed down. And that's how you survived on little food. And then when you got a lot of food, it was feast famine. You could eat a lot, but you never really gained that much weight because you went from feast to famine. But now there's never a famine. There's lots of feasting. But when we put ourselves into starvation mode, our resting metabolic rate becomes so low, whether you do a crash diet or lots and lots of long-term diets. And 
The science is you can't get that back up again. I've actually found with hypnosis, you really can. You can hypnotize the mind and command it, compel it, direct it, instruct it to increase your metabolic rate over time. It's something I'm working on right now, a whole program just to hypnotize groups to push their metabolic rate back up. But um, it's such a shame that we, we've we got so far away from what's real. But tell me, where can people find you? Because I know you've written a book. I'd love to hear about your book and where we can find you. Where are you on social media and what are you doing? So on social media, I'm Simone Delarue Official. Um, my coaching is on simonedelarue.com. All of my fitness um, is Body by Simone. I've just launched a new um, digital platform called Studio at bodybysimone.com. What come is that? What is your digital platform? So it now um, you can take daily live classes um, of 30 minutes or 55 minutes. There's an on-demand library of over a 1,000 different workouts. Oh, so you don't turn up. They're live online. Is that right? Yes. Live yes, online. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I have physical studios, one in Brentwood, Los Angeles, and one in West Chelsea in New York. Um, and what was it? I've got an eight week program online. I've got a postnatal program online. And my book um, is the eight week body transformation. So there's, you can find me as lots, lots of different things, mind, body, and soul. Good. Well, I mean, you do walk, you luckily, or not lucky, because it's all work. I always, Believe in people who walk their talk and I can look at your skin, your hair. We can see that you're living proof of what you do. And, and that's terribly important. You know, when you're eating, it shouldn't be, well, is this got no calories or is this food going to grow me great hair, great nails, great skin, which is why I always believe that fat is your friend and sugar is your enemy. You shouldn't be going low fat and high sugar. You should be going no sugar. The very fact that we talk about essential fats, I mean, they, hey, there must be essential. It's sugar that's your enemy. So I think you're a glowing advert for what you do. Have you got a, your book? You could hold it up and show us, show us it if you've got one to hand. And of course, that's you. Hold it up more. Let's see the entire body. Wow. That's amazing. So there you are. <laughs> and I'm going to show you my book since we're showing books. So yeah. I'm very proud of this book. It's amazing. There is a story in here about a girl who had bulimia mm -hmm. and a girl who was morbidly obese. And they both kind of understood that it's not just what you eat, it's what's eating you. It's often the pain inside. So yeah, we're here to help you. Simone's here to help you. I'm here to help you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you.